Well, if you're here and you've got your copy of God's Word, and I hope that you do, I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of John. We're going to start in John chapter 8. Just to kind of lay some groundwork before we jump to John chapter 8, I want to uh, just jog your memory, uh, remind you of this piece of paper that's kind of sitting in all the entrances and exits. Uh, we're walking through uh, the different commands of Christ. There was a, a man named Chuck that I've met recently uh, that was convicted some years back to disciple his 18-year-old son. And what he what he was really convicted to do was he walked through the Great Commission and he saw that uh, Christ's commands were to go into the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And so what he did is he, he went back through the Gospels and looked at everything that Christ commanded. And he boiled them all down, over 300 commands of Christ and the Gospels. He boils down to about 10 kind of categories. Uh, and we're walking through those different categories. And uh, just by way of remembrance again, uh, we start out with surrender, sacrifice, and listen. Uh, and you've really got to master that surrender, sacrifice, and listen before you're going to be able to truly abide and obey in Christ. And so we've covered all five of those. Uh, this week we're going to jump into followers of Christ, walk in the light. We're going to kind of walk through what that means. Got a handful of passages to turn to. And so I'm going to open us in prayer and then we'll dive into the scriptures. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that he indeed is the light of the world. And Father, we thank you that there's no darkness in him. Father, we thank you uh, for your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for... Uh, coming to this earth, taking on flesh, and dying the death that we deserved so that we could be set free from sin. Father, we thank you that when we indeed surrender our lives to you, uh, that you don't make our lives miserable, but you make them even better, full of joy and every other good thing. Father, we thank you that you are God worth sacrificing to. And Father, we thank you that you indeed are a safe Father that we can uh, almost blindly obey. And so, Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives, and I pray that if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, that today would be the day they come to a knowledge of you. Father, I pray especially now that you would feed your people, and I pray that you would use me to do it. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in the book of John. Uh, we're going to start in John uh, verse, chapter 8, verse 1. Uh, we're going to read through this, uh, this brief story, but the, the main part that we want to get to is at the end. But I want you to see the context before we read the last verse and camp out on it. And so this is John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accursing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the room. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on, sin no more. So what I want you to see here is what Jesus says after this. 
And so he tells this woman that he doesn't condemn her. Go and sin no more. And then in verse 12, it says this. Then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And so I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And this is a command of Christ. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now I want you to turn over. Uh, we're going to do some flipping around this morning. We've got about five different places to turn to. First John chapter one. First John's one of the last few books of the Bible. This is first John chapter one. We're going to read verses 5 and 6. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so, in God, there's light, and there's no darkness at all. And if we say that we walk in the light, but we actually walk in the darkness, we lie to ourselves. And so he tells this woman in John 8, he says, this is John 8, chapter 12. He says, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And so what I want you to see is that all throughout life, we're walking a certain direction, right? Like you're going somewhere. Like your life, whether you realize it or not, is going somewhere. No matter what situation is in front of you, you can make godly decisions or you can make ungodly decisions. If you're making godly decisions, you're walking in the light. If you're not making godly decisions, right? Any decision other than a godly decision is a, is a dark decision, whether you think it is or not. And listen here, gang. You have making godly decisions and making ungodly decisions. You also have uh, people who make no decisions at all, right? You ever been around those people? Like, come on, man, you got to do something. And, and they don't realize that by not deciding and by doing nothing, they're actually doing something. You ever been around that type of person? Right. Okay, so good. That is one of the first things that we have all agreed on. Like, we're all frustrated by people who make no decision. And so here's the thing. You can make godly decisions and walk in the light, or you can make no decision, or you can make ungodly decisions. And God says that if you're a child of God, you walk in the light. Notice he doesn't say that if you're a child of God, you don't sin. Like, so our focus oftentimes is misdirected. I think for so long we've told ourselves and we've told other people, listen, if you're a Christian, if, if you're a follower of Christ, stop sinning, stop sinning, stop sinning, stop sinning. That's not what the passage here says. The passage says that if you're a follower of Christ, walk in the light, walk in the light, walk in the light. And when you're actively walking in the light... Those sinful things that we're trying to stop doing, they become even more apparent when we're actively following Christ, don't they? But if we're sitting idle, then it becomes, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. But when have you ever been on a mission trip, or when have you ever been with the people of God doing something godly, right? When have you showed up here to serve a Christmas meal to our community and wrestled with sin? And the answer is that usually during that four or five hour period that we're serving together and we're working together and we're being light in the community, we're not wrestling with sin. When was the last time you were in Sunday school and you were in this church service and during the, from 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock on Sunday morning, you're wrestling with that sin? When was the last time that happened? What's, it probably hasn't happened because you're actively walking in the light. When are the times that we as Christ followers struggle the most with sin? 
when we're idle, when we're not making any decision, and when we're doing whatever we want to do and we're not walking in the light. And so here Christ is saying, listen, your whole life as a follower of Christ should be actively in every given situation that life brings. You should actively be asking yourself, how can I walk in the light? How can I follow the commands of Christ in this situation? And think about the last 20 times that you fell into sin or some sort of sin got a hold of you. If you were asking yourself, how can I actively walk in the light in this given situation? Would you have still sinned? The answer is probably not. Usually if you're in a situation and you're thinking, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, you usually fall headlong into whatever sin it is. But if you're actively pursuing Christ and you're doing something, you're making good decisions and going a certain direction, it's then and only then that sin isn't as big of a deal because we're not tempted by it so much because we're actively making good decisions and pursuing Christ. And so what I want you to see is go over to the book of Galatians now, excuse me, the book of Ephesians now. I want you to see how this kind of plays out. This is Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians is after all the Gospels, after Acts, First and Second Corinthians, then Galatians and Ephesians. So turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Excuse me. Ephesians chapter 5. Sorry about that. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 8. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 says this. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So if you remember in the beginning of Ephesians in chapter 2, Paul said that you were once in darkness, but God rescued you out of darkness and, and saved you, right? He saved you from the power of darkness, and now you're in light. And so he comes back to this in the end of Ephesians, and he says, You were formerly darkness, but now you're children in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And so I told you before, I've wrestled with, um, I've wrestled with speaking to people when I come on the heels of somebody who's just shared their testimony and they came from just an awful background, right? I told you this, that early on in my ministry, if I was speaking after someone who gave a testimony and they had all sorts of, uh, of a drug background, all sorts of, all sorts of, uh, things in their life that the world kind of goes, wow, how did God save you out of all that? I wrestled with, with, with measuring up and being this, being on equal grounds with God as they are. Because wow, I think, wow, God did so much in their life, just doesn't seem like he, he did as much in mine. And so I wrestled with it. This was, I don't know why I did, but I've told you this before. And so what I want you to see is that when you got saved, you got pulled out of darkness. And so no matter where you are in life, no matter what your background was, we were all in the exact same darkness, living selfish lives that are focused on ourselves and ourselves only. And then he says that God saves you out of that darkness. And now he says that if you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you're a new creation and you are in the light now. And he says, walk as a child in the light. And so no matter where you came from, now you should be walking in the light and you should be pursuing God. It's not just, to, okay, stop doing all that stuff. It's okay. Now that you have the light, go and do something great with it. And listen to what he keeps saying. He says, you were formerly darkness, now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 9. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Verse 11. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. 
For everything that becomes visible is light. I'm going to read that one more time. For you, verse 8, were formerly darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. And so brothers and sisters, we're to be walking in the light. And as we're walking into the light, we are, if sinful things are around us, to be exposing them. Now, that doesn't mean that you you condemn everybody who's doing anything wrong around you. Let me kind of show you how this thing works itself out in real life. Um, This is something that I wrestle with. You should wrestle with it also as a child of God. Because when each of us stand before God, uh, I want you to know that I'm not in a greater place of prominence before the Lord than you are. Right? It's not... It's not church member, deacon, elder, pastor, right? It's not that. In, in God's eyes, we're all, we're all children of God who are, are sinners who are saved by grace. That's all of us. And, and each of our lives have the exact same requirements put on them no matter what we do in the church. You following me? And so God expects the same thing from you as he does me. You with me? That's a fact, right? That's a biblical fact. And so here we go. I'm going to tell you how this thing works itself out in real life. There are times when I'm in town where people stop doing something when I come around. Don't fool yourself to think it's just because I'm the pastor, right? You would be wrong in thinking that. And so this is what happened. Uh, I was at a community event. And some of you are like, oh no, what is he going to say? So I'm, I'm at a community event, right? We're, we're organizing something that's going to help the whole community. And this person who is supposed to be kind of leading the charge and is going to be the most helpful piece of the puzzle begins to curse, right? Oh no, they're cursing. And he, and he looks at me and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, preacher. I'm sorry, preacher. I didn't know you were here. Like I've never heard a curse word before, right? Like this is, oh no, the preacher's here, can't cuss around him because now God's not going to accept me because I was bad around his guy, right? Listen, gang, you watch any war movie you've ever seen on TV and I've been in that situation and I've heard way worse things than they can even say on TV, okay? So when you curse around me, it doesn't offend me in the slightest, right? I'm a little disappointed that your life is where it is, but like I'm not offended, okay? Like I don't lose sleep that any of you curse at all, Right? Actually, some people, uh, it's actually encouraging that they curse around me because at least then I know that they feel comfortable around me and they're not putting on a show. They're not fake. At least when somebody slips up and says something, I'm like, okay, well, at least they're being real. Right? So I'm not advocating cursing around the pastor, but I'm, I'm just trying to make a point here. And so the person said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, preacher. I'll do better next town. And I said, listen, bud, you got bigger problems than me. If you think your biggest problem is cursing around me, you're wrong. Because you don't have any idea who God is if you're apologizing to me for something that you did. Because God sees what you do even when the preacher's not around. And if you're only sorry because I'm around, you've missed the bus completely. And you don't understand anything about the God who you claim to serve. That's the truth. There's all sorts of other things that happen. Listen, this one's going to hit a lot closer to home. There's times where people are in our church whispering, and when I come around, they stop whispering. God hears everything you say, even at home. 
Like, just because I walk around the corner and hear you whispering, you don't have to stop because of that, because he's already heard you. And it's not me that you should be worried about offending. It's him that you should be worried about offending. And so we're to walk in the light. We're not to be people of the shadows, right? Closed door conversations. Oh, come in the office, close the door so nobody else hears us. God's hearing you anyways. It doesn't matter what you say behind closed doors. You're called to be people of the light. And if you can say it, if, if you can't say it from the mountaintops, you shouldn't be saying it anyways. That's just a good method to live by. Now, so those are some of the negative times where people have been, oh no, the preacher's around, I've got to, I've got to act different. But listen, we should be people of the light so that when things happen, people notice. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a story. I don't like to tell a lot of, uh, army stories because, uh, they're somewhat personal. But there was a time where we were, this is about 2005. No, this is late 2004. We're all overseas and we've flown into this area in Iraq that's a real hotbed. Right, I was in a, a real small unit. There was about seven of us. They flew us out to take care of a certain job, and then they took care of us while we were there. Right, so we're on this Marine Corps base. It's tiny. Like this Marine Corps base is the size of our church block. Right, there's a big wall around us, and people would would lob explosives into the base, and then the Marines that we were with, they would send trucks out to go eliminate whatever threat was around. Right, that's war. That's what happens. And so one time, uh, we're on this base, and there's there's guards posted in all of these sentry towers so they can see wherever the threat comes from. And it was always something would blow up, and then the, a truck would leave. Something would blow up, a truck would leave. And so we're getting ready to go to bed. We're playing a hand of cards before we go to bed, and something huge blows up on the compound that we're at. It blows up to the point where we're all sitting down in a circle on like stools playing cards. And after whatever it is blows up, we're all on the ground and our vision is distorted. That's how big this explosion was. And so what happens is a a small alarm goes off and then a, a truckload of Marines goes out to figure out whatever it was. We look at each other, we grab our gear and we go, wow, it wasn't our job to go out and eliminate the threat. We had a very specific job. And so we look around and we're like, wow, we've got to find out what just blew up. And we've got to help whoever is hurt. And so we come real quickly to the decision that whatever it was hit that wall on the other side of us. And so we we get up, we walk outside, and we look at the wall where we knew there was an explosion. And there's no evidence of anything on the base blowing up. But whatever it was knocked us out of our chairs and we were all, all had vision that was distorted. And so there's the guys in my unit, there's five of them and me, right? I don't know where the other person was. And they're all looking at where the explosion, where we know the explosion happened. And at the same time, they all look at me and they said, we know something blew up right here. I said, yeah, tell me about it. I was right there with you. And they said, the only reason that we're alive right now is because of you. I said, what in the world are you talking about? They said, God's doing something in your life and he wants you alive. And he said, the only reason that we're all still alive is because we were with you. I'm not saying that to brag because I wasn't living the most godly life in the world, but I was light to them. And they knew that whatever situation they were in, they reaped a whole lot of benefits because they were with me. And brothers and sisters, the people in your life should be the same way. You should be light in their life. When things happen in your life, when they're with you and you're with them and you guys are interacting, they should realize that you carry your life a certain way and God treats you a certain way because of the way you're carrying on in your life. And that doesn't mean that you're always, that things are always going to go well for you or that things are always going to go bad for you. It just means that in whatever situation you find yourself, 
People should be able to see that you're a light in the midst of darkness. And so we'll go on. We'll keep going here. And he says, as for you, you were formerly darkness, but now you're children of the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Verse 9. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it's disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. And I want to share something with you. But I really don't want to share it with you. Right? This is something I feel like that God specifically for our church has laid on my heart. He says, when you see deeds of darkness, expose them. For it's disgraceful even to speak of these things done by them in secret. Then he says, but all things become visible when they're exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. And so this is kind of a measuring rod for things in your life. If you're questioning something you do in life, whether it's light or darkness, ask yourself, is it something that you would do here? Right? Would you, would you do whatever you're questioning is light or darkness right here? When we have a fellowship meal with the church, is it something that you would freely talk about? Is it something that you would freely participate in? And I want to tell you that in our church, the number one divisive thing in our church and a lot of you are going to be upset with me afterwards, is alcohol. It is the biggest dividing thing that we have in our church. We have people in our church who abstain. We have people in our church who freely enjoy. We have people who are somewhere in the middle. And when we do things as a church, there are, there are people in our church that do or don't get invited to different things because alcohol is an issue. And brothers and sisters, we are not, as Kashai Baptist Church, we are not going to win Windsor and Bertie County to the Lord if we keep having alcohol as a dividing factor within our church. And you say, well, Scripture says this, 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 and this. And what I'm telling you is that some of the things that we as a church participate in within the privacy of our own homes, we would never do at a potluck meal here at church, and we would never do at a Sunday morning service here at church. But we applaud these things in our own private lives as being okay. And the truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, uh, 99 out of 100 times, it is not okay. Because it is killing our testimonies. It is, we want to, we want to walk with Jesus while he walks on his path, and we want to be on a slightly different path over here. Brothers and sisters, the call to Christ is to surrender and sacrifice and to be all in. Not all in but this area of my life. Not all in but this area of my life. And you may not realize it or not, but alcohol kills your witness to your friends and your family. promise you. You think, well, you're just a stick in the mud. You're just all these other things. And I want you to know that from where I stand, I feel like I said that as a child of God, who God has called to lead this church, to love you and tell you the truth, even when it hurts. And that's how I feel like I'm saying it. I'm not saying it in a way to beat you on the head. I'm telling you because I care about the people of our community. And I care about winning people to the Lord. And I know, I know that our personal lives, they're looking at. And they're watching to see the things that we're doing. 
And they know. The outside world knows when you're walking in the light. And the outside world knows when you're walking in darkness. And you ask anybody outside of these walls. If if the people of God should be consuming alcohol at the rate that we're consuming it. And they would all tell you, I don't think so. And I promise you that's the truth. And so brothers and sisters, pray. Seek the Lord and ask Him if the things that you're doing in your life are walking in light or if they're walking in darkness. And then I urge you to walk in the light. Let me go over to the book of Galatians. This is flip back a couple pages towards the front. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says this. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And so the Scriptures paint this picture of how we're supposed to be living our lives. And we're actively supposed to be living in the light, right? Walking in the light. And here he says, walk by the Spirit, and you won't carry out the desire of the flesh. And so... In every given situation, the the command is the same. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. You see that the the two are the same, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all God, right? We believe in in the Trinity. And so in God, there is no darkness. There's light. So if you're walking in the Spirit, if you're walking in God, if you're walking in the light, all of these things are, are the same thing. And so you should be walking this way, and then you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. And so actively be pursuing Christ in every given decision. Walk in the light. God, what would you have me do in this given situation? What would you have me do in this given situation? What would you have me do in this given situation? And that's what you do. It's not a matter of stop, 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 stop. It's we should be plowing forward, looking for what God wants us to do. And then the last verse we're going to turn to. This is back in the book of Matthew. This is Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 14. This is Jesus speaking. This is the, uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I'm going to read it again. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You, this is us, this is followers of Christ. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And so listen to this. Jesus looks at each of us and says, you are the light of the world. And so when you're thinking about things that you you have in your life, and listen, get off of alcohol now. Anything in your life that you have, remember, you're the light of the world. And so if you're the light of the world, you should have zero darkness in you at all, right? You should be absolutely as bright as you possibly can be for Christ. So you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So brothers and sisters, let me just wrap things up saying that you are the light of the world. 
You're the light of the world. You ever come here or you ever been a part of a Christmas Eve service, right? We, we wind down the Advent, or I guess we build up the Advent season. We light a candle on the Advent wreath each week. There's four weeks leading up to Christmas. Then we light the middle candle, which we call the Christ candle. And then when we have a Christmas Eve service, uh, usually I stand next to the Christ candle. I light my candle from the Christ candle. And then that flame gets passed around the whole room. And we kill the lights. It's dark outside. And so it starts out real small with Christ light. And then we all light our candle and it goes around the room. And by the time the flame gets all the way around the room and we each have our one little light, the whole room is lit up light. Because each of us have our own light. And with all of our lights together, we're like that city on a hill that, that, that's for everybody to see. Let me encourage you here. If God's working in your life. If the Holy Spirit's active within you and he's calling you to do things that may be uncomfortable, if he's calling you to part ways, maybe with some people in your life that you know are walking in darkness and you need to be walking in light, let me encourage you to verse 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Let me also encourage you, verse 15, don't light your lamp and put it under a basket. But brothers and sisters, put your lampstand, put your light on a lampstand so that it gives light to everybody who's in the house. If God's called you to do something, if God has called you to change something, proudly do it. Proudly do it. Know that you're doing it, walking in the light, and that your Father who lives in heaven is working in your life and you're proud of that. Oftentimes I know this because I lived this for a while. I had the light of Christ in my life, but there were times and places where I wanted to hide the light so that I could participate in deeds of darkness and nobody would know. Nobody would know that I had the light because it would make us all uncomfortable. And you go, well, certainly you don't understand what it's like. Listen, there were times in my life where I was a follower of Christ. I had a light, but there were also times where darkness and the things people were doing in the darkness was very tempting. It looked like it was enjoyable. It looked like it could be fun. And I would, I'd hide that light so that I could be accepted around those people. Now, let that light shine, baby. I don't care if you invite me anywhere. I don't care if you don't invite me anywhere. I don't want to be around darkness. I don't enjoy it. There's nothing fun about it. The life I have now in Christ, being 100% sold out to Christ, is so much more enjoyable than any of the garbage I ever did in the darkness. And now I look at my friends who are still living those lives of darkness, and I feel nothing but pity for them because I know what it was like after a night of darkness, and there was nothing but sin and shame. And now that I'm not participating in that stuff, there's nothing but joy and hope and all sorts of other good things. And so don't you think for a second that this is burdensome to do what God is calling you to do. You obey what God is calling you to do, and He sets you free, and He opens you up to a world of opportunity you didn't know existed. And all you have to do is proudly live as a person in the light. That's it. Don't be afraid of your light. Don't be ashamed of it. Be proud of it. There are times where I feel like an absolute idiot sometimes for standing in the light. But when I drive home, I have nothing but joy and excitement and encouragement from the Lord because I stood and I shone the light bright even when I felt like I looked like a monkey. I told you guys, sharing the gospel in a room full of people with someone who's about to die, you, Satan tells you, you're an idiot. They can't hear you, but they can. 
Whenever I lived the other life and I got in the car by myself and drove home, it was nothing but shame and feeling bad about things. Brothers and sisters, God wants you to take on his yoke because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He wants your light to shine so that the whole world can see. So let me tell you this. If we all, if just us in this room all lived as people of the light, unashamedly, people of the light, we would turn the world upside down. Not just our county. But it will only happen if we stop playing high school games and we get serious about our walks with the Lord. And we do what he calls us to do and we walk in the light. And so I'm going to read this verse again in closing because it's really encouraging. This is, again, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. As we close, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have forgiven us of all of our sins. We thank you that you have forgiven us of our past. Lord, we thank you that you call us above it. You call us to walk in the light. You call us to walk by your spirit. Father, I pray for each of us here that you would give us the strength to obey even when it's inconvenient. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength to readily do inventory in our lives to see what would be light, to see what would be darkness. And Father, you tell us that in you there is no darkness. And you tell us that we need to be like you. And so Father, I pray for each of us that we would go through our lives and that we would weed out any darkness. And I pray that we would do it by actively walking in the light. Lord, help us not to be a people who just try to get rid, get rid, get rid of sin so that we can stay still. But help us to be a people on a mission that are following out your calling on our lives. Lord, if there's anyone here who's never put their faith in you, who's never been forgiven of their sin and set free from all of that, if there's anyone here who's been living as someone with a light trying to hide it, I pray today that you would give them the courage to set them free. Lord, help us to be people who are not ashamed of you, but are proud of the light that we have. We want to share it with everybody around us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you would stand with us for a hymn of invitation. Well, it's good to see you guys all again this week. Uh, hope that your next week goes great. Hope that you're able to avoid all the sickness going around. Uh, I do want to ask you to pray for uh, James and Carrie and their family. Carrie's here at church this morning, but uh, uh, James is, is pretty bad off sick. And so uh, be in prayer for him. They've kind of been giving it around their family. I know they want to be uh, rescued from all this. The last two weeks have been uh pretty rough on them like a lot of other folks that you know. I want to remind you that uh, the Baptist men are still in and around church doing some things. And so next week, uh, we need some more people to help out serving meals. And I need some of you ladies again to help out with some desserts. Uh, Marcia and Julia are going to be in that room back there. And you can sign up uh, for how you can help. Uh, If everybody helps a little bit, uh, this thing is a lot less burdensome on a lot of people who have been working real hard. And so I want to encourage you to uh, stop in on your way out and help them out. Uh, I also want to remind you uh, to pray for my wife who's leaving next week uh, to go to Africa on behalf of our church to see how we can be involved. Uh, I hope that you'll be in prayer for her. We'll have a special time of prayer next week um, to pray for her as she's gone, but she's leaving about church time uh, next week. So um, uh, we'll pray for her then. 
Uh, love you guys. I care about you uh, more than you could ever imagine. I'm going to ask Dr. Tarkington if you would close us in prayer.